You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm Trevor Noah. Today is Tuesday, the 13th of October, which means if you live in Kentucky or Texas, early voting has officially begun. And just think about how nice it would be to get your vote in early, people, huh? Then you won't have to worry about it anymore, and you can get back to worrying about coronavirus and climate change and the Supreme Court and wildfires. Oh, and scarecrows. I know they're designed to scare crows, but whew, they scare the shit out of me. <laughs> anyway, coming up on tonight's show, Apple announces a brand new phone, Jabuki Young White is working the polls, and why Donald Trump is threatening to hook up with you. So let's do this, people. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is the Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears edition. Let's kick things off with the technology news that I'm super excited about today. I finally found my remote. Yo, that was killing me. Yo, I was watching a Spanish soccer match, right? And then my TV was stuck on Spanish TV the entire week. Soy estado muy frustrado porque no puedo hablar español en absoluto. Oh, and this also happened today. Apple announced new gadgets. Apple unveiling its highly anticipated iPhone 12 featuring four new models with 5G capability, ceramic shield and MagSafe wireless charging. They did announce four new iPhones. They got the iPhone 12, the iPhone 12 mini, the iPhone 12 Pro, and the iPhone 12 Pro Max. The regular iPhone 12 and 12 mini will come with a thing called MagSafe, and that lets chargers, cases, other accessories snap onto the back of the device. Interestingly, to reduce their carbon footprint, uh, the new iPhones, when you open an iPhone box, there will be no headphones, no chargers inside. Yo, Apple has done it again. You know how many times I've lost my charger, but now Apple is like, you don't gotta worry about that no more. I got you. You know, it's actually amazing how we're so addicted to Apple products that we'll just take whatever they give. No charger. We'll take it. No earbuds. I'm in. The iPhone 13 will not come with a phone. I want two of them, the big box and the small box. Ah! Now look, I can understand why they're getting rid of the headphones. I mean, we all need to be more social. That makes sense. But the charger? Guys, now is not the time to have people sharing chargers. Wait, how did you get corona? Well, you gotta understand, my battery was at 30%. But let's move on to a country that's still on the iPhone 2, North Korea. Over the weekend, Kim Jong-un, North Korean dictator and world's most dangerous rectangle, hosted a surprise military parade where he showed off his brand new missiles and a brand new side of himself. Kim Jong-un apologized for failing to improve North Koreans' lives in an address at an unprecedented pre-dawn military parade. This came out at the climax of a nearly two-hour military parade in the country's capital. The country's leader, Kim Jong-un, was seen crying, along with those in the crowd thanking the North Korean people for their hard work during the pandemic. He got more emotional than I think we've ever seen. He looks like he was standing there at the podium, sobbing. And this went on for quite some time. Wow, guys. This is the day that Kim Jong-un finally became president. I honestly can't believe that Kim Jong-un broke down in tears during a military parade. That's how you know everyone is feeling the pandemic blues. Even a murderous dictator is like, it's too much. 
It's too the zoom. All the time in my background and that's don't have a background. Although it's uh, really easy to admit your failures as a leader when it's impossible for anyone to replace you. I mean, it's not like his people can vote him out, you know? It's kind of like when a kidnapper admits that they were wrong. I just wish that this hadn't happened to both of us. Both of us? But let's move on from the world's most famous dictatorship to the one country that'll never become a dictatorship for at least the next three weeks, the United States of America. After RBG's passing, President Trump and his Republican minions wasted no time nominating Judge Amy Coney Barrett, the GOP's final infinity stone to destroy Planned Parenthood. Now, unlike last year's nominee, Brett Kavanaugh, Barrett has not been accused of sexual assault or juvenile delinquency or... Wait, what was the other thing? I liked beer. My man. So, if you were planning on watching these hearings, please, don't waste your time. Because over the years, all these hearings have become is each party making big speeches about how the nominee is either gonna save or destroy the Supreme Court, and then the nominee pretending that they have never had a point of view on anything. For example, it's no secret that Amy Coney Barrett is against Roe v. Wade, right? Trump wouldn't have picked her otherwise. But if you ask her about it during the hearing, all of a sudden, she doesn't have an opinion. Do you agree with Justice Scalia's view that Roe was wrongly decided? I think on that question, I, you know, I'm gonna invoke Justice Kagan's description, which I think is um, perfectly put. When she was in her confirmation hearing, she said that she was not gonna grade precedent or give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And I think in an area where precedent continues to be pressed and litigated, as is true of Casey, it would be particularly, um, it would actually be wrong and a violation of the canons for me to do that as a sitting judge. It's distressing not to get a straight answer. So let me try again. Do you agree with Justice Scalia's view that Roe was wrongly decided? Again, I can't pre-commit or say, yes, I'm going in with some agenda because I'm not. Do you agree with Justice Scalia's view that Roe can and should be overturned by the Supreme Court? It's a contentious issue, which is, I know, one reason why it would be comforting to you to have an answer, but I can't express views on cases or pre-commit um, to approaching a case any particular way. Yeah. Democrats spent all day trying to get Barrett to admit that she wants to overturn Roe v. Wade. Basically, the whole day was like, pro-lifer says what? Pardon? Ah, well played. And abortion rights are just one example. Barrett refused to say where she stood on every topic. And I'm not picking on her, by the way. This is what every Supreme Court nominee does, which almost makes you wonder what the point of these hearings is. Seriously, we're like, what are we doing? We all know what she's gonna do. So why do we have to do the whole song and dance as if it's a big mystery? How do you feel? We know how she feels. It's like interviewing a toddler to see if they're gonna misbehave after you leave the room. Are you gonna eat the cookie when I leave? I have no opinions on cookies. And are you gonna draw on the walls when I leave? I don't have any opinions on drawing. Well, that works for me. Here's the keys to the house, kid. I'll see you in a week. <laughs> Here's an idea, guys. If we know which judges are liberal, and which are conservative, then why don't, why don't we just change the rules to reflect that? Just have four judges picked by Democrats and then four judges picked by conservatives, right? And then the ninth seat could be a guest judge every week, like on Top Chef. Yeah, stick with me on this. That way it'll be a lot more fair. And also, 
everyone will be a lot more interested in the Supreme Court. Oh, Joaquin Phoenix is on this week. I wonder if he'll take away my healthcare. Oh, it's so exciting. And finally, voting is now underway in much of the United States. But if you live in California and you're planning to drop off your ballots at a collection box, you might want to read the fine print. Controversy in California after the Republican Party installed dozens of their own ballot drop-off boxes at several locations across the state. State officials calling them unofficial and illegal, though they appear virtually indistinguishable from the boxes sanctioned by the state. The California Republican Party not backing down, saying there are no laws that private drop-off boxes are not permitted. Whoa, 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 whoa the California GOP put out their own ballot drop-off boxes and labeled them as official? You know, that's shady as hell. You can't say something's official if it's not official. I hate it when people do that. You know, like how they say, Old Spice is the official deodorant of the NFL, but I've smelled Patrick Mahomes and he smells like sunshine, which last time I checked is not part of the Old Spice catalog. The deception aside though, I don't think ballot boxes on every corner is actually a bad idea. It should be this easy to vote in America. There should be drop boxes all over the place. You know, they, they should be like Starbucks. They should be everywhere. And they should also let you take a dump if you need to. Because otherwise the alternative is what we saw happening in Georgia just yesterday, where people were waiting in line for 11 hours just to vote. And let me tell you something. If I'm waiting 11 hours in line, shit, I don't wanna vote at the end of it. I wanna be president. All right. I gotta go wait in line for the new iPhone. I heard this one doesn't come with a screen. So excited. But when we come back, we'll tell you why the president is threatening to kiss people. So stick around. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. After a week of being forced to quarantine, Donald J. Trump is back on the campaign trail doing what he loves most, spreading COVID-19. President Trump returned to the campaign trail with a rally in Sanford, Florida. It was his first rally outside the White House since getting out of the hospital. The president threw masks into the audience as he walked onto the stage. Several members of the first family were in attendance. Many of them did not wear masks, including the president himself. I went through it. Now they say I'm immune. I can feel, I feel so powerful. I'll walk into that audience. I'll walk in there. I'll kiss everyone in that audience. I'll kiss the guys and the beautiful women and um, everybody. I'll just give you a big fat kiss. Yes, my friends, it looks like Trump has emerged from his battle with the deadly virus and it's made him horny as hell. I guess it's true what they say. A serious illness can make you realize what's most important in life. And also kissing the women and the guys. Woo. I'm happy that Trump is now biohazard curious. That's cool. Although he may have just lost Mike Pence's votes. This is not the moral example we should be setting for those kids in cages. Also, it's insane how Trump says he'll kiss all the guys, but only the beautiful women. You ugly chicks, I'm out. I can deal with Corona, but doctors say a butterface could be fatal. But hey man, good for Trump. I'm glad that he's feeling better. Although I think his recovery is gonna be awful for public health. I mean, how are his supporters gonna take coronavirus seriously if it can be beaten by a guy whose body is 83% chicken nuggets? The fact is, Trump's behavior sets an example for the people around him. And you can see at the rally that people are already taking corona a whole lot less seriously. 
Governor Ron DeSantis is being criticized for his appearance at President Trump's rally in Sanford. This is the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. He's at the rally that Trump is at right now, and this is his entrance. Remember me! Um, no mask, high-fiving the crowd, uh, then touching his face with the hand that he used to high-five. Man, I know everyone likes to shit on Ron DeSantis for his choices, but I disagree. Of course, he's gonna high-five strangers and then snort their germs. If you're the governor of Florida, then you gotta represent Florida, baby. I mean, this just shows you how powerful Trumpism is. His supporters think that his success is their success. They're running around that rally like they got over COVID. Yeah, we're immune, baby. They like that with everything that Trump does. Yeah, we got tax cuts, baby. No motherfuckers, he got his tax cut. You're unemployed. Now, although Trump is feeling better, his poll numbers are still in the ICU, which is why he's launched a bold new ad campaign to convince America that his handling of the pandemic has been as successful as his own personal steroid regime. The Trump campaign now facing pushback from Dr. Anthony Fauci after lifting part of a seven-month-old soundbite from Fauci for a new ad. President Trump tackled the virus head-on, as leaders should. I can't imagine that anybody could be doing more. The president tweeting they are indeed Dr. Fauci's own words, and the president's campaign tweeting it will keep airing the ad. But Dr. Fauci tells NBC News they did this without my permission and my comments were taken out of context. Dr. Fauci wasn't talking about the president. The quote is from an interview with Fox News back in March where he was talking about the coronavirus task force and its efforts to respond to the pandemic. I think it's really unfortunate and really disappointing that they did that. To take a completely out of context statement and put it in, which is obviously a political campaign ad, I, I, I thought was really very disappointing. What would you say if uh, I told you I heard that the Trump campaign was actually preparing to do another ad featuring you? You know, that would be terrible. I mean, that would be outrageous if they do that. No, Dr. Fauci, what have you done? If you tell Trump not to do something, he's going to do it even more. It's what happens all the time. Whatever you do, Mr. President, please do not run your businesses while you're in office. You mean like this? No, okay, but at least don't host events during a pandemic. You mean like this? No, but whatever you do, don't wipe your boogers on the White House curtains, please. You mean like this? No, now the curtains are all green. To be honest, guys, I can't blame Trump for this. I mean, he did what he had to do. It's not like he's got many doctors dying to endorse him. It was either quote Dr. Fauci out of context or bring back this dude. The good news for Trump is that while Dr. Fauci may not be vouching for his medical expertise, Trump did get a very real endorsement from another top scientist, his son, Eric. Yeah, I spoke to him three times that next Saturday. The guy sounded 100%, it was amazing. It actually probably goes to speak to how, how good some of these vaccines that are being created are. And what my father's done on the vaccine front, no one could have done, no one could have done. My father literally started day one creating this vaccine. He worked to push this vaccine and now my father just took it. And uh, you see how well he got over it. Eric Trump talks about his dad the way little children talk about their dads. My dad invented the corona vaccine and then he took the corona vaccine and now he's the strongest person in the world. Oh, and clearly Eric doesn't understand how vaccines even work. They are the prevention, not the treatment. You know, it's like how a condom is a prevention for having a kid like Eric and then leaving him at the mall as a child, hoping that he wouldn't find his way home was the treatment. 
Although it is nice that Eric thinks so highly of his dad. I bet President Trump was probably watching this at home like, wow, that stranger is so nice. But yes, according to business casual Napoleon Dynamites, not only did Donald Trump invent the vaccine, but it's already here. And you might be thinking, wait, Trevor, I just read that Johnson and Johnson had to pause their trial because someone got a mysterious illness. Yeah, but you're just watching the wrong news. The real news is that coronavirus has been handled. I mean, you heard what Dr. Fauci didn't say. And here's the truth, people. If the president of the United States with his team of 60 doctors and a hospital in his house and access to unreleased drugs can beat this virus, then clearly anyone can do it. Now, who wants a kiss? Come on, come get it. All right, we have to take a quick break. But when we come back, Jabuki Young White will show you how you can save the election. You don't wanna miss it. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. As you know, election day is now just three weeks away, which means now is probably a good time for America to get its affairs in order. Now, unfortunately, coronavirus has prevented many elderly poll workers from helping out this year. So we could see even longer voting lines than usual. But luckily, people have been coming up with some creative solutions. There is an energetic effort, you might even call it frantic in some jurisdictions, to recruit a new generation of poll workers to replace older ones. That's meant creative recruiting tactics, like allowing 17-year-old high school seniors to serve as poll workers. In just a few months, they've gotten more than 30,000 kids to step up. An army of kids working from their bedrooms, using their social media skills. Can you guys hear me? This TikTok racking up nearly 200,000 views. Wisconsin using national guard troops to work the state's primary. In Battleground, Ohio, they're recruiting at barbershops. And companies like Old Navy and Target offering employees a paid day off to man the polls. Laker star LeBron James helping get out the vote. His new voting initiative has recruited 10,000 poll workers. At Newport's Wooden Cast Brewing Company, they're labeling craft beer with political ads. It's a plea for poll workers and QR code that leads smartphone drinkers to Kentucky Secretary of State's website to sign up for training. Okay, so the good news is there might be a lot of new poll workers. The bad news is some of them might be wasted. You don't wanna vote for Donald Trump because that guy's orange, orange, orange. But yes, there's a big push right now to find poll workers for this election. And our very own Jabuki Young White decided to sign up. What are poll workers? Get your voting to the poll. Get, get, get your vote, vote, yeah, vote, vote. Nope, not that. Found that out the hard way. Poll workers are the volunteers that help the election run smoothly. But now, thanks to COVID-19, old people, the majority of volunteers, are dropping out. Thankfully, there's an initiative recruiting younger election day poll workers called Power the Polls. So, I sat down with one of their directors. Scott, huge fan of your work. You're taking care of business. Everything's under control. Just wanted to contribute, give you guys a huge shout out. So, good job. Yeah. I, so I mean, I, re I really appreciate that. And I definitely could use it. But what we really need is poll workers to make sure that everyone can vote safely and on time this election. You hear that, poll workers? This is an important election. You better do your part. We're actually really excited to get young folks like yourself. So, we're really looking for someone kind of exactly like you. You gotta be uh, a registered voter or uh, over the age of 16. Uh, I, I think you're older than 16. 
Um, well, that's very flattering. I do get that a lot. But you know who I actually have? I have a friend who I think that this would be perfect for. He has way more time on his hands than me. Um, do you know Trevor Noah? He would be so... Actually, is 45 too old? He's not from here, so I don't know if he's a registered voter. But, you know, we need everyone to show up in person. You have to leave your house. You mean, like, actually go outside and put on pants? I've been bottomless for six months. Oh, and there's also that little issue of a f***ing pandemic. Everyone is going to get PPE who shows up. Mask, face shield, hand sanitizer, all that good stuff. Uh, but what we mostly just need is folks to help get people checked in, fill out their ballots, answer questions. The thing that Power the Polls is really hoping to inspire is a next generation of poll workers. Okay, here's another thought. How about we rebrand the name? I mean, even starting with poll worker. Those are two bad words poll i'm thinking of the subway it's dirty it's gross worker i'm thinking of work uh, no one likes that what about um okay i'm thinking poll line monitors king of the ballots poll you out of line if you don't vote vote regulator holy moly like holy moly Ooh. how about Election influencer. Ooh, I don't know. Mm, the problem is you're you're there to be a nonpartisan. Okay, look, millennials are broke. What you need to do to get people to the polls is money. Well, Jabuki, usually you do get paid uh, to be a poll worker. It's uh, usually over ten dollars an hour. Uh, so for a full day, that's like a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, no, I need to call my agent. This is ridiculous. That's more money than I'm making right now. Hi. Yeah. Um. So. You just weren't going to tell me that they were casting for poll workers? The money sounds good, but if I'm going to spend all day taking ballots and risking paper cuts, I'm going to need something more. We'll, uh, we'll send you pizza if that's, uh, if that's, if that's icing on the cake. I, I also work for an organization called Pizza to the Polls, and uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll get you lunch uh, and all the folks at the polling place. You think you can buy me with pizza? What topping? Uh, pepperoni? It worked. Okay, Scott, now say that there's people who don't like pizza, as if that even exists, but they don't volunteer. What's the worst thing that can happen? Uh, there's longer lines, fewer polling places. Uh, the polling places tend to close in, in cities and communities where people of color vote. Uh, it's less safe for poll workers and voters. If, if poll workers don't show up, it could change the whole course of history and, and have an election that doesn't represent us as a country. If you are 16 years old, sign up to be a f***ing poll worker and do something with your f***ing life for once! Sign up, please! Volunteer, please! What kind of topping was it again? Uh, we, uh, we eat cheese, usually, and pepperoni. Uh, we send gluten-free ones, too, if we can. At least do it for the gluten-free pizza. You've contributed nothing to life so far. Can we, get, can we get green peppers and onions? Thank you so much for that, Jabuki. All right, when we come back, we speak to the one and only Anita Hill about the Supreme Court and what her journey has been like over the past 30 years. Don't go away. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with lawyer and professor Anita Hill. 
We talked about her work with the Hollywood Commission to help fight harassment and discrimination in the entertainment industry. And we talked about the Supreme Court and the nomination process. Professor Hill, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show. <laughs> Thank you, we're keeping safe. Long before the Me Too movement, your name was in the headlines because you stepped forward during a confirmation hearing. It was in 1991, it was about Clarence Thomas who was, who was going to be stepping onto the Supreme Court. It's a two-part question for me. Number one, would you do the same thing again considering what happened to your life following that incident? And number two, how much do you think society has changed since that? Wow, yes to your first question. Um, I definitely would. I mean, at the time that I did it, I did it for the reason that I felt the truth had to be told, that we were uh, vetting an individual for a lifetime appointment in the highest court in the country, a country uh, you know, that um, can be affected by any single Supreme Court decision. I felt that what I had to say was important in terms of the character and the fitness of an individual uh, who uh, was, was a nominee. So I would do that again. Has the country changed? Yes, the country has changed. Uh, has it changed enough? No. Uh, and, and as you probably know, confirmation hearings have actually changed as well. But, uh, but we have changed. And I think there's some more growth to be had. One of the most lingering memories from the uh, Senate confirmation hearing that you were a part of was how terribly you were treated. And one of the people that you lived through it with was Joe Biden. There are still many people who experienced that firsthand who haven't forgiven Joe Biden. And they were surprised to see you come out and say, well, I'm supporting Joe Biden's run for president of the United States. People didn't understand how that was possible considering how he treated you at the time. What would you explain to those, to those people who say, but Anita Hill, why on earth would you support Joe Biden after how he treated you 30 years ago? You know, I, I lived through it. My family lived through it. My friends lived through it. And the American public lived through it. And so it's not even just about how I experienced it. It really is how a whole country experienced it. And it was painful for a lot of people. The question that I, that, you know, I had to answer and, you know, almost 30 years later is, where are we going to go from here? And by voting for Joe Biden, I was really dealing with the reality of the moment that we have a serious problem, whether it's with sexual harassment or sexual assault, as you've seen in Supreme Court nominee hearings, or other forms of gender-based violence. We have a serious problem in this country, and how are we going to deal with it? Um, we can't undo the hearings, but we can make sure that they don't happen again. And I believe that um, my job really is to put myself in a position to keep pushing for that change. And I believe my best chance of making this issue one that is a part of the public agenda is with Joe Biden. It's not going to be easy. We're still just going to have to work at it and push him and his administration, if that be the case, to make some changes that the society needs. Hollywood was maybe one of the biggest examples 
of where the Me Too movement really exposed um, what was happening. But really, it, it, it happened across, across industries. And, and you stepped up and you are part of the Hollywood Commission where you are now dealing with these incidents. You are now trying to set up parameters that protect people in Hollywood. When you look at where Hollywood was and when you look at where you think Hollywood needs to be, how do we get there? Well, we have made progress. And people ask if Me Too was effective at all. I think it raised an incredible amount of awareness. And so awareness really is the beginning of change. But then you've got to get down to the hard work of looking at how those kinds of biases and that kind of acceptance has been built into our structures. Uh, and, you know, we started out trying to examine the structures and then we realized we've got to do a survey. We got to hear from people who are working in the industry about what they think needs to be done. And over and over, no matter what we were questioning them about, we found out that, one, they felt there was some progress, but not enough. It's almost like, okay, we've gotten a sense of how things might be. And now we want more and we expect more. Um, the other thing was accountability. That they're saying, look, we've raised awareness. Now we got to start holding people accountable. And we have to put into place the processes and policies and, and will to make change. One of the saddest things that um, I read was that many people in the workplace, in the industry, feel that Me Too has only been effective for those high profile cases right. with profile witnesses and victims. And, and that we don't, we can't, we can't tolerate that. Uh, we've got to make sure that this uh, movement and the advances we make are felt throughout the industry, through every corner of it, because that's where many of the most vulnerable people are. Most definitely. But I would love to know how you see yourself in the world. You know, if, if, if there's someone out there who, who sees Anita Hill and goes, I had an incident in my life, but I don't want that incident to define me. How did you define yourself and who do you see as Anita Hill? Well, I don't see that incident that happened when I was 35 years old, which is about your age now. If you can think about your life, um, there's so many things that are going on now in your life. And you're, you're at the point where you're looking ahead. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily want this moment, as wonderful as it is, to have your own TV show. You don't necessarily want this moment to define you. Um, there are, I will tell you, bigger and better things to come but you have to really push for them. And that's what I realized almost 30 years ago, that I was gonna have to keep pushing. Uh, And it's one of the reasons that I took on the challenge of working with the Hollywood Commission. I still realized that on this issue, there was more work to be done. Outside of studying about it, there was more actual work to be done. One of the things that I I want to be very clear about is I see what happened to me. I don't see it through a single lens, Uh, especially now, so many years later, looking back. I see it through the lens of gender, of course, but I also see it through the lens of race. I see it through the lens of class and who's in and who's out politically. Um, and and, And these are the very issues that we're facing in a whole range of ways today. So when 
I do work with the Hollywood Commission. It's an, it is, of course, about sexual harassment. It is about Me Too. But it's also about bias. It's about bullying. It's about people with disabilities. It's about different ethnic groups, different racial groups, different sexual identities, um, gender identities. You know, what I'm really trying to, to look for is equality. Equality, very broadly speaking, and keeping people safe. Uh, and, and so I guess that's the, the legacy I would like to keep. For the next however many years, many of us are going to have a court that we have little confidence in, in terms of getting to equality. But there are other ways to fight for it. And that's one thing I've learned, uh, especially from the hearing that there are other ways to fight, even when people think you have lost, mm -hmm. that there are ways that you can fight to make sure that ultimately the goal is achieved. But you have to, you have to keep the faith. You have to stay the course. On, on that note, an inspiring note, uh, Professor Hill, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, the deadline to register to vote is coming up in many states. If you haven't registered yet, or you aren't sure if you've registered, well, time is running out to make sure that you can vote in November. All you have to do is go to votevotevote.com to check your registration status and see your voting options. Until tomorrow, though, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and remember, never form an opinion on anything, and one day, you too can become a Supreme Court Justice. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 